also, hey, real quick, I know it's not about them, but these people lead us to the throne room so well. Can we give it up for our worship team real quick? Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Anybody ready for church this morning? Good. Well, hey, if you haven't realized it yet, I'm preaching, so you help, you still have plenty of time to leave if you want to. Uh, but my name is Damien. I'm going to uh, get to share the word with you today, and I'm excited about it. So if you have your paper Bible, open that thing up. We are going to be in Hebrews chapter 4. So if you want a quick tip, is go to the very end of your Bible and then just start turning left a few books. You will get there soon. Hebrews chapter 4. While you're getting there, I got a joke. How does Jesus make his coffee? He uses an espresso machine because he knows how fine. No, he brews it. Yes, he brews it. Okay. Hebrews 4, verse 14. If you're there, say, I'm ready. If you're not ready, just look at the screen then. Um, you'll, you'll get there, I promise. Uh, verse 14 says this. So then, since we have a great high priest. Everybody say, high priest. Since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest, everybody say high priest. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Anybody need grace this morning? Anybody grateful for a Jesus that is a high priest that has sacrificed himself so we could have a connection with God this morning? Come on. I'm a teacher. I'm not a preacher, but y'all about to make me a preacher because y'all y'all responded real well this morning. So my title of the message today is A Beautiful Bridge title of the message today is a beautiful bridge we'll talk about that in just a second I'm gonna pray and then you can have a seat God thank you so much for your word thank you so much for the truth in it God as we just read we have a great high priest who has entered heaven who lived as a man and as God who lived a perfect life facing all the same testings we do God God you know us on a deep level and we are grateful for that so Lord I just pray right now that you allow us to hear your message how you have built a beautiful bridge to connect with us God God I pray that your your word this morning would open minds and prick hearts God so grateful to be in a place where we can worship you and be excited about it God we love you we thank you it's in Jesus name we pray and everybody said Amen, amen. High five your neighbor on the way to your seat, which is right behind you. And tell them, I'm glad you're here. Look at that same neighbor and say, I love you. Look at your other neighbor and say, hey, we just met, but I love you. Some of y'all, I just got you a date. The other ones, I just caused marriage problems. I'm sorry. Uh, so the title of today's message is A Beautiful Bridge. I'm going to get into that. Uh, we've started a series called All I Want for Christmas, uh, so that's been good. Pastor Dustin kicked it off last week talking about this idea of gold. Um, speaking of Christmas, anybody excited about Christmas at purpose? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's something different about a night service. So on the 22nd, we got two services, 5.30 and 7. And there's just something different about a night service, right? It's just, I don't know. It feels cool. It feels good. It feels different, switching things up a little bit. We're going to have a lot of stuff for the kids. Uh, so it's going to be an exciting time. I want you to come. I want to see you at Christmas at Purpose. Coming, It's like less than two weeks away. We got to start shopping, Liv. We ain't got no presents. We ain't got nothing. Okay. So, like I said, we started this series called All I Want for Christmas. Um, and what we're doing is some of y'all got the spirit of Mariah Carey when you hear that, but it ain't it. That's not it. We're talking about the gifts that the wise men bring. So, Pastor Dustin talked last week about gold. Gold was like a, a foreshadowing of Jesus' kingship, right? Jesus would become king of kings. If you missed that message, go back and watch it. It was a great message. He, he talks about that. Like, that's what that gift meant. Can y'all imagine getting Jesus a gift? Like, think about that. Like, it's God, and you're getting him. Like, I'm stressing getting my wife a gift. She's told me ten times, but I forgot. But I'm stressing about getting her a gift. That was a joke. You can laugh if it's funny. Um, but imagine getting Jesus a gift. So they bring in gold, and then they bring him frankincense. And I'm just going to, you've already kind of realized it, but frankincense was kind of an ode or a, a foreshadow to Jesus' high priesthood, to his deity, right? So we'll talk about that more in a second. But I want to talk to you about a bridge. So obviously I'm going to put a, an analogy together. It's going to be a metaphor. But I want to start off, anybody ever heard the, the phrase, don't burn any bridges? You heard that? Wave at me if you've heard it. I, I kind of have a country accent a little bit. It sounds like I'm saying britches. I'm not. Don't burn your britches, but don't burn any bridges either. The, the thought behind that is like you cross a bridge and you think, okay, now I'm on the other side. I don't need that bridge anymore, so I'm just going to let it burn. First of all, that's arson. That's a felony. Don't do that. Second of all, later on in life, you may need to go back to that other side. What happens if you burnt? <clears throat> Whoa. What happens if you, <laughs> a little too excited. What happens if you burnt the bridge? You're going to have to work. You're going to have to swim through the water. You're going to have to Tarzan that thing, right? You're going to have to do something to get back on the other side of the bridge. That's not good, right? We don't want to do that. We don't want to burn bridges. How many of y'all ever, you, you burnt a bridge before? A couple of us? Now, this is a fun one. How many of y'all have burnt a bridge and you don't regret it? You're like, no, yeah. Like, I ain't going back on that bridge no matter what. I'd rather swim in alligator-infested waters. I ain't going back on that bridge. Anybody, y'all done that before? Yeah, unapologetically. Uh, what about y'all that you're, now this is still metaphorically, not literally, but you're walking on a bridge and you know it's collapsing as you're walking on it. Like you're leaving a job and it's toxic and you're like, there ain't no way there's going to be a bridge after this. You know what I'm talking about? Like those dramatic action movies where there's a rope bridge and they go and they step on it and like one of the panels breaks. And their, their next logical thought is, I'm going to take another step. Not me, I'm out. You know what I mean? Like if you see a rope bridge in an action movie, there's always going to be suspense. I guess that's why they call it a suspension bridge. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I am not the real pastor. There is an older guy coming out next week. It's not me, okay? <clears throat> so I'm going to start with a little story. Uh, this is a true story, 100%. Um, this was back, I was probably 25 years ago. Um, I went to this place called Ruby Falls in Chattanooga area. Anybody ever heard of that place? Anybody been there? Yep. Uh, so what it is, it's a huge waterfall inside of a cave. This guy found it. He named it Ruby after his wife. Apparently, if you drink the water, you poop. Didn't test that theory. Just I trusted him, right? It was like an hour to get in there. I wasn't testing it. Um, 
But then you go out, and there's this place called Lookout Mountain. And there's this huge waterfall, and there's a, there's, at the time, there was a suspension bridge across it, right? So your boy is scared of heights. I'm not scared of the height. I'm scared of the falling and the dying. The height's fine, but it's the falling and the dying. So we go. Uh, it's my family, and we go. And I'm going to say this as tastefully as I can. Um, there's a group of 15 of us on this tour that we're taking. And there's 13 of us, and then there's two of them that are, they're children of God, but there's, there's a lot to love. You know what I mean? Um, I'm sorry. It's important. It's important to the story. Um, so we, we go down the elevator. It's important to the story. We go down the elevator. We take the tour. We come back up. 13 of us get on it. And then one of my friends gets on it, and it says max capacity. And then somebody says, aw. I'm like, don't aw. Don't do that. So they get off. They Finally, we all reconvene at the top. And, again, I'm scared of heights. There's a suspension bridge, 250 feet, a waterfall. I'm scared. So I'm like, y'all, y'all go ahead. Y'all, the tour guide's on that side. I'm over here. And I'm like, y'all go ahead. Finally, it's the end of the, the group. And these people, it's my friends, and they, they're right here. And I'm like, y'all, y'all go ahead. And the tour guide looks, and he's like, you know, come on. And I'm like, yeah, they're going. And then he says, all right, you come on. And I say, mm-mm. And he says, mm-mm. And so I'm like, okay. So I take a step on this bridge, and then I get about a third of the way there. These ladies are right here. And I kid you, I sw- this is a, a true story. They go like this. They look back, and they go. <laughs> I am eight years old. I am grabbing the bridge. I'm, sc- I'm cussing. I'm yelling at them like I am screaming. I'm freaking out. This bridge is bouncing up. I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm not going to get to drive. I'm not going to get to do anything. I don't know how to cook a steak yet. Like, I don't know anything. I'm going to die. And they're having the greatest time in their life just, and like the, the panels are like going and then they're slapping my feet. Like they, they have moved so much. And I was like, I'm dead. I'm going to die. And then they go up, we go off the other side, and I walk up to them like this. I'm eight years old. My grandpa grabs my neck. I'm like, you lucky. You lucky. And I hated them um, for a long time. Um, and that's a true story. Like, I, I vividly remember it. And I will never go back to Lookout Mountain. Um, but I'm going to flip the feel of the room real quick. So that's not a bridge's purpose. At that day, that bridge gave me a spirit of fear in the mouth of a sailor. Come on, somebody. But that's not a bridge's purpose. A bridge's purpose is to connect. A bridge's purpose is to connect. Why is that important? Typically with a bridge, you have two areas that are useful, right? You don't build a bridge to to nowhere. You don't build a bridge to somewhere that does not add value. So you have an area over here. You have a gap or a chasm. You think of it different. Like I always picture a river. And like a forest on both sides, that's what I picture. But then you have a gap, and then you have another area of useful land that you're trying to get to. So the bridge, the point of that is to connect one to the other. If not, you have a gap. There's no way to cross it. In the same way, you and I, in life, have a spiritual gap. There's a spiritual gap from the beginning of our life. And I'm going to explain it really briefly if I can. So picture two sides, right? On this side, we have this truth that God is holy, okay? God is holy. So what's that mean? God is perfect. 
God is blameless, he's spotless, nothing unholy, nothing evil, nothing unclean can be around God. God is holy, right? We all agree with that, that makes sense, right? And then you have another side of it, and this is also truth, people are sinful, okay? So originally, God created people to be with him, so side by side. But then sin entered the world, nothing unclean can touch God. So that creates a gap, okay? So sin creates a gap between us and God. So just picture that in your mind. We were side by side. There was community. We were in the garden together. Sin entered. God withdrew his presence because he cannot be around unclean. So if you think about that and look at that, you can actually find it often in the Old Testament. You can find different stories, different parallels of this truth. One of them that I'm going to share with you, I just, I mean, can we celebrate Purpose Kids back there? Just yeah, go, just having a great time. Oh, my gosh. If it's your first time, that's not somebody's system jumping down the road. This, this is Purpose Kids worshiping back there, and I love that. I love that so much. Sorry, I get the ADHD from Pastor Dustin. It's, it works like that. Um, so in the Old Testament, you have this thing called the tabernacle. And that's a fun word to say. So we're going to say it on three. One, two, three. Tabernacle. It's almost like, like you stump your toe, like, oh, tabernacle. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can have that for free. That, that's, that's fun. It's like a holy cut. No, I can't say that. Um, so with the tabernacle, the way it was set up is you had a courtyard. It kind of had a fence around it, and you had this courtyard. But then you had a tent. And this tent was there. And at first you had a veil, which is like a curtain. Right, and you walk through this veil, and you have this place, and it's called the holy place. So that's the first area of the tent. And the holy place is a place where priests would go, and they would meet. It was also called the tent of meeting. Um, but this is a place that they would meet, they would talk. Um, and then you had another place beyond that. The place beyond that was, an, so there was another veil, and then you had the holy of holies. So this was the most holy place. So this is where God's presence would dwell. This is where the Ark of the Covenant was. This was a very set-apart, very special place. Nobody was allowed in the Holy of Holies except one person once a year. So that person, they was called the high priest. So you have your, your meeting place where priests would meet, but then you have the high priest who would go in the Holy of Holies once a year. And the only reason they did that is they had this thing called the Day of Atonement. And the holy priest would go in there, or the holy priest, the high priest would go in there, he would light an incense, like frankincense, which I made a joke first service. I said, frankincense, you know, that's where we get the word incense. I'm just kidding, but then it, I found out that was true. So <laughs> it's not as funny right now because I'm explaining it, and it wasn't, it was true. Um, <clears throat> but they would light frankincense. This incense, this smoke would fill up the Holy of Holies that kind of cleansed it. And then the high priest would go in there. They would have blood from a sacrifice, and they would sacrifice to atone for sins. And what that means is it's a repayment. So it's not necessarily wiping the slate clean. It's saying, hey, God, we've messed up this year. Here's our payment for that. Let's reconcile with you. Let's get right with you, and then we'll see you again next year. That's kind of how that worked, right? That was the, the Day of Atonement. And this high priest, like this job was no joke. They would literally tie a rope around the high priest's ankle, and if the high priest went in there, 
and had unconfessed sins or was unclean or unholy himself, if he did not get everything out that he had did and not purified himself the best that he could, he would die. And they would pull him out with this rope around his ankle. I'm going to be honest. If Pastor Dustin put that on my job description, I'm out. I'm out. I'm going back to a bank. I'm doing something different because that, that's a big deal. And he would die because God cannot be in the presence of unholy. It wasn't because God's mad or mean or angry or anything like that. But if you have unclean around God, it can't live. Right? So they would be struck dead. So even with this idea of a high priest, like we get that, we, it, like a high priest is like an intercessor, right? So what that means is it's a go-between, okay? So even with that idea, an intercessor is more of a swing. It's more of a pendulum. So what I mean by that is you have people on this side, you have God on this side. A high priest works like this. They go back and forth. They go to God. They go back to the people. They go to God. They go back to the people. Does that make sense? It's not a stable connection. It's a pendulum. It's a swinging connection. So even with this thought of a high priest going in once a year, praying on behalf of the people, intercessing on behalf of the people with God, there is still a gap. There's still a non-stable connection between the two. So the significance of these wise men bringing frankincense to Jesus, again, crazy that you're bringing gold to a baby and then an incense to a baby. If you brought that to my baby, I'm taking the gold. But the incense, I'm like, what are you doing? Um, But they they bring this and that signals that Jesus, you are going to be king of kings, right? It's these titles exemplified. You're going to be king of kings with the gold and then you're going to be the most high priest. You're going to be a different kind of high priest. And then next week, Pastor Dustin's going to finish it off talking about myrrh, which is also a fun word to say. Uh, but Jesus, again, was the most high priest. His job was to close the gap, to bridge the gap. And there's a few ways that Jesus does that. So if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, start taking notes, write this down. The first point is this. Jesus broke barriers. Jesus broke barriers. So Jesus broke all kinds of barriers. He's flipped normalcy on his head, upside down. All kinds of things that were normal before Jesus are now different. And Jesus didn't come to just change things for the sake of changing things. What had happened was over time, people had rules, and these rules were set in place to help them live according to God's word. Like They, they were there for a good reason. But over time, people have taken these rules, these processes, these things, and they started to worship those more than worshiping God. So it became very legalistic. It became very, we're not doing this because we love people. We're doing this because we need to. An example of that is, um, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but Jesus healing somebody on the Sabbath. The religious leaders, their problem wasn't with the healing the person. It was, hey, you're working on the day you shouldn't be working. That's kind of an idea of how far off. The people had gotten. So when we when we start to worship the rule instead of the ruler, that's what happens, right? So Jesus broke all kinds of barriers. What kinds did he break? He broke physical barriers. The first one is physical barrier. You don't have to write that down, but you can if you want. There's a lot of them. Um, so he broke physical barriers. He was born from a virgin woman. Okay, pretty impossible, right? Like ladies, 
Imagine an angel coming to you and saying, hey, you're going to be pregnant, and then you go telling your friends and your family about that. They're like, hey, I'm pregnant. Who, who's the dad? Well, it's God. What? You know what I mean? Like, try to exp- like if my wife walked up to me and said, hey, an angel came and talked to me. I'm pregnant now. I'm going to be like, where's this angel? Where's he at? And then she, she's going to say, he's right there, and he's going to be eight foot tall and have a huge wing. I'm like, okay, there he is. I'm going to let him stay over there. I trust you. But can you imagine, like, that? it's hard to process things like that, right? That's a barrier. Uh, another one that he, he broke was, we've all heard about this, but he walked on water. It's one of those things that you read a lot, and you're like, yeah, and Jesus walked on water. And you read it so much that it, like, it almost loses its impact. But, like, if, there was, if we have our baptistry set up right here for, you know, for baptism next week, and I start walking across it, every one of you are pulling your phone out. And you're recording it because that's crazy. People don't walk on water. But yet Jesus broke that barrier. He walked on water. So he broke physical barriers. He also broke social barriers. Um, He broke all kinds of He was known as a friend of sinners. He would hang around people that religious leaders despised. He wouldn't be around them at all. Um, Another example of that is the woman at the well. So there's a woman in Samaria. Uh, Most people at that time would take a three-day trip outside all the way around Samaria just so they wouldn't have to go through Samaria. And Jesus says, no, I'm going through. He talks to this woman at the well, and she says, why are you talking to me? Like she is appalled because he's breaking social barriers. And just like Pastor Dustin said a few weeks ago, it's for the one, right? He's doing that because he had an appointment with that one person. So he's breaking social barriers. Economical barriers, okay? He's talking to some religious leaders, and he looks at them and says, this lady has given way more than you have. And they say, she's only given a couple coins. And then Jesus says, but she gives out of what she has. You give out of abundance. She gives sacrificially. You're giving out of overflow. So that's a barrier that's broken. That changes our mind on how we give. Giving sacrificially makes a difference. Giving out of abundance is easy. Right? He also uh, talked about selling all of your possessions and following me. That's a, that, like, how many of y'all are just going to sign up for that right now? Not a lot. Some of your, my college students are like, well, I don't have anything to sell. Like, that's easy for you. Um, so, yeah, but he's breaking all these barriers. Imagine Jesus telling you to sell everything. That's, a, that's something to process, right? Um, another one, religious. This is one of my favorite barriers that he breaks because there's religious leaders, and Jesus tells people, don't be like these religious leaders. Now, these religious leaders were religious leaders. You know what I mean? So they were, they were leaders in their area. So people thought of them like holy and that they were righteous and they knew what they were doing. And yet Jesus is coming and he's flipping that and he's saying, don't be like these people. They pray out in the streets for attention. They pray long, eloquent prayers. They do all of these things, but they're chasing a reward on earth, whereas your reward is in heaven, right? So he's, he's challenging these barriers. He's breaking these barriers. Another one is relationally. He's breaking relational barriers. All of us, it's easy to love someone that loves you, right? And he, he knows that. But Jesus says, love your enemies. That's hard. Y'all talking about that bridge you burnt earlier that you have no regret? You got to love that person. Oh, that's tough. You know what I mean? It's not that easy. He says, love your neighbors as you love yourself. Do for others that you want to be done for you, like That's tough, right? That's a barrier that has to be broken. 
Another one he breaks that just, it's crazy, is reality. Like, he's fully God, fully man. Can you comprehend that? I can't. If you can, come take this mic, because you'll do a better job than I can. But he is fully God, fully man. That's a reality barrier that's broken. Hebrews 4.15, we read this earlier. It says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So he's fully God, meaning he's perfect, spotless, blameless, but he's also fully man, meaning he has felt what you feel. You ever have that feeling where you're like, am I the only one that's ever gone through this? Am I the only one that thinks like this? No, Jesus has. And that's incredible. That's incredible to know that we serve a God who has felt what you feel. There's no gap there, right? He has felt that. So he's perfect, lived a perfect life, but he's also been sad. He's been angry. He's been hurt. He's felt pain, right? All of these things Jesus felt. And then another barrier that he broke is a spiritual barrier. He broke a spiritual barrier, and he did that by doing this next point, which is Jesus became our sin. Jesus became our sin. I know that kind of gets Christianese, that gets kind of churchy, and I know this, it's a concept that's, that's said a lot, and sometimes it can, we can devalue it a little bit because it's said so often, but the truth is, Jesus became sin for you on your behalf so that you could be made right with God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So he did that for us. And again, this is one of the things that changed my life. If someone looked at me and said, even if it was just you, Jesus would have still done it. And that's incredible. And I believe that with all my heart. So just like the high priest at the time would make a sacrifice um, <clears throat> on the Day of Atonement for the people's sins that they committed to try to reconcile, in that same way, Jesus has made a sacrifice, right? So Jesus was not only the high priest, he was also the sacrifice. You've heard the title for Jesus, uh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, right? That's not just some cool title or whatever. It's a lamb of God because a lamb was a sacrificial animal. It was an animal that was sacrificed a lot. So there are a few differences in the OTHP. That's the Old Testament high priest. You like that? Everybody say OTHP with me. You ready? One, two, three. OTHP. I didn't like that. Okay. <clears throat> so there's a few differences between the OTHP and Jesus' Jesus's sacrifice. The Old Testament sacrifice was required yearly. So it was a yearly sacrifice. And this is not to knock the Old Testament. This is The Old Testament is very important because it shows us what life was like then and all the things you had to do to be right with God and what life is like now that we get to be right with God through Christ. So it's very, very important that we, that we take the Old Testament serious. So the Old Testament was required yearly, but Jesus went to the cross once for all sin, past, present, future. Gap closed. The Old Testament was a, the sacrifice was a payment to reconcile. So I've mentioned this a couple times. Again, that is not clean slate, forgiveness, everything's good. That's just a repayment for the sins. So what that means, what that looks like, let's say you go to the bank and you take out a loan. You deserve to pay the debt back, right? Everybody would agree. That's a fair transaction. 
Now, they're going to charge you a lot of interest, right? But you deserve to pay that loan back. Imagine if, you, if the bank called you and said, hey, we've forgiven your debt. I get all the benefits, but you've forgiven my debt, right? Like some of y'all are going to dance. Some of y'all are going to sing, right? I'm going to. No more mortgage. No more mortgage. You know what I can do with that? Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, but that's what Jesus has done in our life, right? He has not only made a payment for us, he has forgiven the debt entirely, okay? So gap, close. The Old Testament sacrifice was one imperfect person making a sacrifice on behalf of their tribe, on behalf of God's people at the time. Jesus' sacrifice was a perfect person making one sacrifice for all humanity then and now. So that gap is closed. So by Jesus taking this sacrifice, not only is he the most high priest, but he's also the perfect sacrifice. So he takes the role, he exemplifies it in a way that only Jesus could. And I love this. Uh, I love the fact that Jesus uses his blood to clean us, right? Blood is something we often think is nasty and it carries diseases and it's gross and we don't like it. But he uses something like that to cleanse us. And then he, he lets his body become broken so our spirit can become whole. He lets his body become broken so our spirit can be made whole. So the la- uh, one of the last points that I have is this. Jesus built a bridge. So by breaking barriers, by becoming our sin, Jesus has built a bridge. Earlier we were talking about the Old Testament and about the, the tabernacle, and that kind of leads into the temple. And one of the things about the temple is, it, again, it was known that this veil was to separate God's presence from everybody else. It was to separate God's presence because God cannot be around unholy. God cannot be around unclean. But Luke 23, 45 says, the light from the sun was gone. This is right after Jesus is on the cross. He says, it's finished. He releases his spirit and he dies. It says the light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain or the veil in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. And someone stopped me after the first service and said it was actually torn from top down, meaning it was torn from God down, which I think is a a cool insight. But I picture God's spirit. I don't know if you're a visual person like I am, but I picture God's spirit in this most holy place, like the holy of holies. I picture it almost like a smoke, right? And then it's in here behind this veil. And as soon as Jesus says it's finished, he releases his spirit. The veil tears and that smoke goes out and enters into the world and covers his people. So when Jesus died on the cross, he tore that veil. He built a bridge. So now there is no more gap between us and God. Yeah, we can give Jesus a little praise for that, right? So Jesus built a bridge. He bridged the gap between us and God by doing that, by becoming that sacrifice. I I know it's super corny, um, but it's got a lot of power in it. There's this side, which is God. There's this side, which is people and sin. And then we have the sin gap in the middle. I've seen this image on the internet before, but it's a cross that kind of, you know what I mean? And the cross bridges the gap. Again, it's kind of corny, but it's also, I think it's pretty powerful. I think it's, it 
paints a perfect picture of what Jesus has done for us. So after this, there was no longer a separation between God and man. There was no longer a need for a yearly day of atonement. There's no longer a need to burn frankincense in this room because God's Spirit has entered the world. God's Spirit has entered His people. So by doing that, Jesus has built a beautiful bridge between us and God. And I could end right there and we could leave and we could have a great day, but I feel like there's one more point that if I don't cover, I would feel bad about, and it's this. Jesus deserves our best. So not only did he build a bridge, but he also deserves our best. Do you ever wonder why this church is so loud and so passionate and the people are always smiling and seem like they have way too much energy? It's not because we're purpose church people. It's not because of anything like that. It's because we remember who we were before Christ and we know who we are after Christ. We know what God's done in our life and we can't stay quiet about it. So when we, when we look at that bridge, we cross that bridge, we're on that bridge, we have to praise, we have to worship. That's the only acceptable response that we can give because Jesus has done everything else for us. Jesus has done everything else on our behalf. And let me tell you something about a bridge. It, going back to my, my Lookout Mountain story, this is true. When you walk up to a bridge, there's something that you have to do first. It could be subconsciously, it could not. But when you get to that bridge, you have to make a decision in your mind that I trust that this bridge can carry me. I'm going to have faith that when I step on this bridge, it's going to hold me up. And once you take that step and you realize it can hold me, then you can take another. And then you can take another. And you're not looking down there. You're looking at your steps, right? especially if it's that rope bridge at Lookout Mountain. You're definitely looking at your steps. But you're taking one step at a time. You're not looking at just the end. And Jesus, it's the same way for us in our life. Jesus is the bridge, but you've got to take the step. You've got to trust that that bridge is going to carry you. You've got to trust that when you step on that bridge, it's not going to leave you hanging. It's not going to leave you broken. It's not going to let you fall. Jesus has got you. And because of that, we're loud because we know that we are held up by Jesus. We are held together by Christ and by Christ alone. So, again, I, li I like cheesy things a lot, um, and this is really cheesy. But all I want for Christmas, personally, is I want you to know that the best is still ahead for you in Jesus. That's what I want you to know. I want you to know that you can be off of the bridge. The best is still ahead. All you have to do is, is step on the bridge. You can be on the bridge and stuck. Just know that the best is still ahead. You're on the bridge. You just got to take a step. And I believe that for you. I believe that for your life. I believe that Jesus built a beautiful bridge for you so you can connect with him. So can we stand to our feet real quick, church? Can we bow our heads, close our eyes? I just want to offer a couple invitations really quick. The first invitation I want to offer is if you are on that bridge, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you know you have a relationship with Jesus, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you can just, you know you're on that bridge, but you feel stuck. You feel like you can't take another step. And I don't know what your stuck looks like. I don't know if it's a job. I don't know if it's a relationship that you've given up on. I don't know if it's 
mental pain, if it's emotional, physical, spiritual blocks, I don't know what your stuck looks like. But I know that that bridge can hold you up. I know Jesus has carried so much for you, so you don't have to. All you have to do is trust in him and take a step. So we've got a prayer team on both sides of the platform. If you need prayer for this, please come down. Please talk to somebody. They want to pair their faith with yours and pray for you. But also, if that's you in this room and you just feel stuck, again, you believe in Jesus, you know Jesus has died for you, but you feel stuck on that bridge right now and you don't know what your next step is, if you, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. If you could just raise your hand. and I just want to pray for you just as a pastor, as a big brother. Hands up everywhere. I love that. Awesome. And like I said, feel free to come down to talk to our prayer team during this time. Uh, I'm going to pray for you for that, uh, and then we'll go to our next invitation. So, God, thank you so much for the boldness of these people to raise their hand. God, I don't know where they're stuck at. I don't know what they're stuck with, God, but I know that you are with them. I know that you have bridged the gap for them, God, so they can connect to you. So, God, I just ask that you help them remember that in these moments, that times may be tough, things are hard, but, God, you are still good, and the best is still ahead for your people. God, give them strength, give them courage, give them bravery to take one more step, whatever that step looks like, God, if it's, if it's leaving a job, if it's losing a friend, if it's moving away, God, whatever that looks like. Let them take that next step. God, be with them. Give them courage. Amen. All right, with your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, if you're in this room and you have the realization that you have never actually stepped onto that bridge, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior in this room, I just want to be completely honest with you. No emotional manipulation, nothing like that, but just coming from my heart, I was an atheist until I was 19. And I started going to church around 18 with my girlfriend at the time. And I went for a few times and knowing nothing about God, after a few times I started feeling something and I couldn't explain it. And now I know that was God pulling on my heart. And so if you're here and if you're in this room and you feel something and you know you don't know Jesus but you feel something, Again, I'm not trying to emotionally manipulate you. I'm just trying to tell you that is God. And he wants that relationship with you. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die, even if it was just for you. So as somebody that's been in your shoes, I just encourage you. If you've never had a relationship with Jesus, I just encourage you to pray something like this. It doesn't have to be exactly it, but it has to be the same spirit, the same heart behind it. You just have to mean it in your heart. Pray something like this. Pray it. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just something in your heart. Say, Jesus, I realize that I'm a sinner, meaning I mess up, and I mess up a lot. But I also realize that you lived a perfect life, that you died on the cross for me and my sins. I believe you came down from heaven lived a perfect life, went to the cross, and rose three days later. Jesus, I want to follow you and give you my best. 
I turn away from my sins and I turn towards you. Amen. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. If you're in here and you just prayed that prayer a little bit longer, everybody's eyes closed. Uh, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, uh, if you don't mind, this is bold, but I, I, I believe you can do it. Do you mind just raising your hand where you're at in this room right now? If you just prayed that prayer for the first time. Awesome. I love that. I love that so much. I'm going to pray for us. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your spirit. God, I feel your spirit in this place today, and I thank you for that. Let it fill us up as we go out and live out our weeks, God. God, I love you. I thank you so much for all that you're doing through your people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Purpose Church, can we give it up real quick for those that raised their hands this morning? Awesome. Well, hey, really quick, uh, if that was you and you raised your hand during that time, I want you to know that... The worst, you just made the best decision, but the worst thing you could do is leave without talking to somebody. So I highly encourage you, if you raised your hand in that moment, please come down and talk to our prayer team on the side. We're not going to keep you long, but we have a new believer's guide we want to get you. We want to get you a Bible and answer any questions you have. Um, I appreciate you guys. I love you guys so much. I hope you have a great week. Go out and love Jesus, serve people, and live on purpose.